0: Welcome to Everyday Buddhism, making every day better by applying the proven tools found in Buddhist concepts. Welcome to Episode 74 of Everyday Buddhism, making every day better. This is a mirror episode of the podcast Zen at the Sharp End by Mark Westmocket, where I was invited to talk about my experience with, quote, troublesome Buddhas, unquote. Now, the Zen at the Sharp End podcast focuses on how to turn difficult people and relationships and episodes, or situations in your life into your best teachers. In each episode of the podcast, Mark interviews Zen and other Buddhist friends and acquaintances exploring different types of people, relationships, and situations that we find irritating, difficult, or painful. They discuss how Buddhist and mindfulness practices can help us see our difficult people or situations as troublesome Buddhas, our greatest teachers. Mark's podcast is a spin off of his book, Zen and the Art of Dealing with Difficult People. Now, I'm sharing this episode of Mark's podcast um, on my own podcast because I think what Mark has to teach with this method is something. Every one of my listeners can benefit from. And I'm sharing because I am painfully honest in this episode. So I debated, kind of, sharing it directly with you, but I believe it is in our shared vulnerability that Buddhist practice comes alive. I hope you'll agree. (laughs) I will put links to Mark's podcast, website, and book in the show notes. Plus, as I mentioned at the end of the podcast episode, I will soon be inviting Mark to be a guest on a future episode of my podcast, Everyday Buddhism. So the episode featuring my troublesome Buddhas starts now.
1: Oh, so welcome, Wendy Shinyo, and thank you so much for being willing to come on the podcast today.
0: Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to be here
1: maybe we can get started if you just talk a little bit about um uh maybe what got you into buddhism or your your sort of history or journey into buddhist practice and and um you know where how you got to where you are today
0: well um I guess I, I, I became serious about Buddhism in the 1990s um, after many years of being a nightstand Buddhist, you know, <laughs> where, where the books piled up on high and and, and never doing anything about it except reading. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, I, I got more serious in the 1990s um, and started practicing with a, uh, well I started studying first uh in the Galupa tradition online and then I started practicing um at a local Tibetan center which was the uh Drikung Kagyu tra- tradition which is uh, a a different sort of sect of the the Kagyu school mm-hmm. um I don't know it's that local
1: know... to local to where you are now or local
0: local to Rochester, New York. Yes, that's Ro- where yeah, I'm okay. located. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so I joined that Sangha and became a member of that Sangha and practiced with them for many years. And then I was asked to teach uh, a, in, a basic Buddhism course for for that uh, center. And that was um, after I had I, taken some teacher training in the Galupa tradition. So mm-hmm. um, so that, that got me serious. And that was when I officially took refuge for the first time, you know. And um, then I... Um, so I, I studied with them and practiced with them for many years, and then I sort of had a—I, I, I, you know—I don't think we Buddhists call it a crisis of faith, but I. <laughs> I, I think I'll call it that way. a, yeah, uh-huh. a, a crisis of 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 faith uh, in the Tibetan tradition. It just there was a di- disconnect for me. Um the the center practiced a lot of vajrayana visualization. I vi- mm-hmm. I visualized terribly um uh <laughs> and um and there and there were a lot of things it was just time to go and i was doing nundro practice at the time and i don't know if you know anything about nundro but it's like a hundred thousand prostrations a hundred thousand offerings a hundred thousand and you had to tick them off and Mm -hmm. they were full body prostrations and um uh, my uh, my center director has always said when i left tibetan buddhism in the middle of the um in the middle of the noondro practice, he said it was the Noondro that brought me to where I needed to go. Mm. So at that mm. time, I I discovered the writings of Reverend Gyome Kobose and Reverend Koyo Kobose um, of the Bright Dawn Center of Oneness Buddhism. And I got very interested in, in what they had to offer. They're a, a non-sectarian Japanese Mahayana, Uh Tradition, so they, they, the influence is strongly Shin and Zen Buddhism, and I don't know Mm. if you know anything about Shin Buddhism. It's Mm. kind of like an ah. It's most people haven't really heard about it, but yet it's probably one of the most practiced traditions, especially in Japan. Yeah, that's
1: Um, Pure pure Land School, is
0: it? It's a Pure Land School. Yeah, it's not Jodo, but Jodo shinsu Yeah, definitely Mm. founded by Shinran. Mm -hmm. Uh, whose teacher was honed on. Um, so anyway, so that's the the story. So, um, I, I, I started practice. I started reading their stuff. They were uh, in, in, uh, Chicago, but they had a lot of online things that they were doing. And then they started a school, uh, for lay ministry. Um, and I, uh, applied and was accepted to their that school as the, one of the second cohorts in, and I was inducted as a lay minister in Sensei in two thousand nine, and now I'm I was one of the first of like now ninety about a hundred lay ministers. So
1: I see, okay, yeah, yeah. So yeah.
0: that's kind of my, mm. I guess that's my Buddhist bibliography. I, I continued to um, mm-hmm. continue to uh, support Bright Dawn um, and still do as a teacher um program coordinator and a senior advisor Mm. um it's it's we're now in a in a transition period with them because we just lost our teacher reverend koyo Kobosa. he just uh, passed unexpectedly in 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 uh, march so Mm. so that's that's my my sort of background Mm -hmm. in in buddhism
1: officially Mm -hmm. so kind of interesting a broad mix of vaguely (laughs) japanese but sort of mostly just mahayana practice then
0: mostly just mahayana i ne- i i'm mm. I, I, I although i did do some vajrayana practice it, it never stuck and and mm. and so i'm i mostly a mahayana practitioner
1: mm. yeah and and in all that so did you come across the sort of idea of people being um, Difficult people being teachers and difficult people bringing sort of Buddhist practice up to the fore and how we can work with that. You know, did that sort of feature in those?
0: Well, I, I never heard your term as troublesome Buddhas, but I actually had two teachers and And I just thought of this this morning before I got mm. on with you, is that um, one of my teachers said that all problematic or difficult situations in your life are Buddhas. Mm. <laughs> that's the way he put it. Um, and and that always struck me, and mm. and and I think that's much like what you are talking about as a troublesome Buddha. And another one of my teachers, one of my very early first Buddhist teachers, a, a Lama in the Galupa tradition, said, Watch out, anyone can be a Buddha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so it was kind of a strange mix of like um uh you know, thankful for difficult situations because they are teaching you and um kind of like watch out because Santa is looking out over.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny that those kind of phrases that teachers say, you know, probably mixed in a conversation and saying some other things, they just suddenly like sticking like, yes, oh. that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, some of the, I think our biggest teachings with all the teachers that I've had over the years, some of the biggest teachings are the ones that were done like offhanded or Mm. (laughs) you know what I mean? Just when they're, when they're chatting with you or when they make a a funny little comment after a teaching or something. Mm,
1: mm, mm. Yeah. So every situation, every difficult situation, every difficult person can be a Buddha. Mm.
0: Could actually be a Buddha. Yeah, that's the thing. You actually has to, have to visualize it, you know. Because if 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 we take if we take the teachings of Buddhism seriously, you know, it's like um, um, you know all Dharma's right. If we take the teachings of Buddhism seriously, then there's no difference between a a situation and thing or a person. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. if you really if you really look at it that way, so why not? All difficult situations as Buddhas,
1: mm, mm. and if you start to say, "Well, that's not Buddha, uh, but that is," then you're in this sort of separate separation, you know,
0: duality. Yeah.
1: Duality. So yeah,
0: mm. yeah, yeah. So you know, I I think sometimes though, all the when we're too comfortable in all our easy situations, um, maybe that's when the Buddhas are napping. I you know,
1: I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then how have they appeared troublesomely for you?
0: <laughs> well, um you know I I think like uh you know I've listened to a few of your episodes and I think like anybody if you asked somebody about that there would be you could you could have a long list of yeah. of that but um um I think the one that is the most dramatic for me um is is the one that sort of culminated for me in the last year and a half, two years, um, um, sort of as a cause or as a condition of, um, the pandemic. Um, um, I, you know, long story short, um, I've, I've, I've struggled with resentment all my life and I wasn't really sure where it came from it. You know, I, I'm, I'm, a very positive person by, by nature. But Mm -hmm. then there was this thing that was Mm -hmm. always kind of in the back of my mind. Um, I finally figured out a lot of what it was, was I came out as gay when people did not do that in, Mm -hmm. in, in the sixties. Um, I'm, -hmm. I'm almost 70 years old and wasn't not accepted. And even as mm-hmm. a child, when my mother discovered a, a, a diary or a journal about, uh, entry about my feelings in that re- respect, I, 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 you know, she reacted in the the best way she knew how for the times. So I've, I've all, I've, I've reconciled it and I, I've forgiven it. Um, Um, but she, you know, told my teacher and they kept me away from this other person. Mm. And so there was a whole lot of drama around it. And Mm -hmm. I think the resentment started there and continued on through college where I wasn't accepted again. And, you know, it just, it continued on. And because I was always sort of a self-aware and pragmatic person, I kept, coming to terms with it and saying, well, I understand where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, so I was rationalizing Mm. their behavior, which was good. Um, but what I found out is that, um, when the pandemic hit, um, and people started acting, um, you know, everybody except Everybody dealt with the pandemic in a different way. We all have different ways of handling things. And this was something that, you know, nobody in our generations that are alive now, very few anyway, had any experience with something at this level of uncertainty, right? Right. Wow. Um, uh, and because of that, they reacted very dramatically. Some people, some people, you know, became like me where I read everything I could and, and it was like getting an offline, a virology degree uh, <laughs> 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 and could not k- take my eyes off of it. Um, and, and some people, um, uh, you know, buried their head in the sand, mm-hmm. um, and did little sp- I see a lot of people did spiritual bypassing. Mm. A lot of a lot of people reacted in in anger that this thing happened to them because of something out there and then there were all these conspiracy theories. So yeah. anyway, all those people that reacted in a way that I didn't react m- m- made me broke me down completely i i was like and see i have a systemic lupus so i i was overprotective Mm -hmm. of my condition and i thought everybody else was out to get me Mm -hmm. now this was totally irrational (laughs) yet maybe not for the times but then i i i ended up uh i was just acting in abnormal ways feeling anger and even rage which was just totally out of character. And Mm. I finally decided that I needed to seek therapy, even though I thought, well, you know, I'm meditating, I'm doing all this. Why Mm. can't I I control this? And why do I keep looking at all these people as others when I know they're not others? Mm. I know we're all interdependent and I know they all have their reasons for this, but I couldn't separate it. And I, and I, I ended up being diagnosed as having um, um, chronic PTSD from, from betrayal from my coming out, you know, and all those oh, years God. of, of being, being, you know, being I, not, not abused, but, you know, being not treated like mm. a human being. Right, and, right, right. And, my, and because I dealt with it on the surface so well, it was hiding mm-hmm. inside
1: and, have you have you come across this book called the body keeps the score
0: oh yes uh, it's a, mm. it's a, it's a bible it's, it's a, a bible, bible. <laughs> it's, a, it's a well it was my therapist that recommended it and right. um, mm-hmm. and it, it makes perfect sense and i get it now and and mm-hmm. i'm i've 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 been working with it since I was yeah. you know, diagnosed in a year. I'm much better now. I'm mm. like, don't even have it now. And now it seems absolutely ridiculous when I look at how I felt about this. Do you know what? But but I had so many people close to me that were acting where I thought so irrationally that it mm. it broke me down.
1: Mm. It's it's funny, isn't it? So rationally, it looks ridiculous. And we, we can't possibly believe that we're thinking and, and feeling the way we are but yet uh, you know we have our conscious sort of intellectual mind cognitive mind and then we right. have this very very strong feeling sense that's a really stuck in embedded in and and that's as as real isn't it
0: oh it's as real and and what i came to learn as a buddhist practitioner it when, when you talk about troublesome Buddhas, Mm. it was, you know, I've had a lot of troublesome Buddhas, like, um, you know, being gay and being forced to deal with that, um, having chronic illness of severe chronic illness. And I always thought of them as kind of like blessings because they Mm. made me see the world in a different way and maybe have more compassion for others. But this one was big. And, Mm. and I, um, especially coming so late in my life, Mm. Uh, you know where I thought I had everything under control, and I was so disappointed in my Buddhist practice not being uh-huh. able to deal with it. You know, mm-hmm. not it, I was, and that that was horrifying to me. And then now mm. I am able to like I took what I learned from uh, PTSD and 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 mm. therapy, and like, and then I. Um, applied a more hyper-vigilant Buddhist practice using some of those concepts. Mm. So like my meditation practice changed.
1: Mm. Mm. Okay.
0: Um, so mm. so that, in other words, my meditation, I tried to like turn my meditation, I was much more of an analytical meditator, which is something that happens, that's something that Tibetan Buddhists Tech yeah. can do. But I don't know. Yeah. Pretty high, yeah. So mm-hmm. you have a con sort of a conversation in your head about um principles within the practice. So there there and you do try to come to a feeling understanding of it, but I think we we live so much in our head I think we don't always do that mm-hmm. properly. Mm-hmm. And I saw that. And so I started Having a much more uh, body-based
1: meditation, mm. somatic type
0: mm. meditation,
1: and and so can you talk a little bit more about that? What 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 made you shift, and what kind of practice did you, you end up doing?
0: That's a it, what made me shift was like I I like I said I was horrified that I wasn't able to deal with this these these feelings and these mm. these behaviors that I was exhibiting um mm. with my so,
1: normal practice so you just sort of ah I think I need a bit more of a body-based practice was, was it that kind of thing
0: well yeah only I won't give myself that credit I won't pat myself on the back I it came from reading everything I could about mm. PTSD and from my and from my uh therapist uh mm-hmm. you know um and so I did were uh, so it was much more like uh, um, a heartfelt thing where I was showing, okay, so like if you're doing like a meta practice or, or, um, Tonglin or something where you're sending love to others, I started doing more towards myself, Mm. realizing that I was the one in the big trouble here. (laughs) Mm, mm, mm. and So I was doing much more, um, protection of myself, you know, uh, there's like, there's this, um, there's family, these family systems therapy where there's you, they talk about the inner child and everything. Although I didn't spend a lot of time there because I found it a little disquieting, but I, I did, did turn my meditative focus on my body and felt how I felt. Like I'm feeling anger now. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling where did that come from? And try to connect that with maybe something that I thought or something Mm -hmm. that would just came up from inside of me. Mm -hmm. And then when I did that, then I would like feel my feet on the floor, feel so like walking meditation, Mm -hmm. um, much more body focused meditation seemed to change sort of my whole Way of dealing with this this surprise attack that I had inside
1: this troublesome Buddha, yeah, <laughs> this
0: troublesome Buddha that came <laughs> out of nowhere <laughs> but was always there. Clearly, mm.
1: but. yeah, 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 yeah. I I did about three and a half years of psychotherapy, a pretty intense for a, for a while there. And it's often been a question that's come up again. You know, what what's the role of psychotherapy in you know, in together with or, or um, in synergy with our meditation, our our Buddhist practice, what would you say?
0: Hmm, well, I've thought a lot about this, actually, Mm. because, um, and I'd like to hear your opinion as well, too, um, Mm. because I think this is something for a little, good conversation. But, you know, Mark Epstein writes a lot about this and mm-hmm. he just mm-hmm. released a new book, which I forget the name of, that he talks about how he integrates his Buddhist practice into his psychotherapy. You know, I I shared with my therapist that I was a Buddhist and I had Buddhist practices and so forth. And we discussed it. She was not a Buddhist. So, you know, she didn't really know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know about your experience, but I do think they're very, I think they're synchronous. I don't think they're mm. Mm. Um, they're at odds at all. I, I think that they're they're definitely synchronous. I do think, however, because I have studied Japanese psychology, um, Marita therapy in particular,ly I think Japanese psychology gets a better handle on it than like the kind of like. You know, three years of psychotherapy. You know, in your childhood like an kind of thing analysis. Yeah, is that what you had?
1: No, I didn't have that. No, but I uh, could. You know, yeah. there's, a, there's a there's a much more there's a kind of old style Freudian analysis. Freudian,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, so I don't think you know there. You know, therapists today don't do that so mm-hmm. much. Um, mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I do think it's 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 much it's asynchronous in that uh, you know um mindfulness or 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 being aware of what's going on inside of you is really the ticket right it's really the key if you want to make friends with your troublesome buddha th- you you better get to know him first right, right? or right. her or whatever mm. Mm. and s- instead of i think a lot of people when they feel bad when bad situations happen or they feel those sort of those 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 emotions arising if you're not a don't have a strong practice then you're all about reacting Mm. you know to it rather than trying to understand it
1: or sort of i don't i don't like this i I wish it was (laughs) Yeah, push it away sort of thing yeah yeah yeah
0: which is grasping right it's the second mm. noble mm. truth right if you we're, were grasping is either pushing it away or holding on to it holding on to the good things and pushing away the bad things and and i think in my my therapist said this actually and that gave me a real insight as she said you she said you you were very good at handling your trauma
1: mm. But
0: mm. in being very good at handling your trauma from a Buddhist perspective, that means I was very good at pushing it away yeah mm.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and, and and compartmentalizing I guess mm. Mm. so if 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 you look at it from Buddhist practice then that then that is that is a sign that you need to to bring more mindfulness to bear more more um, meditation to bear and these things
1: Mm, mm. and and so the other aspect i suppose that psychotherapy doesn't really look at is the buddha nature side of things you know we can we can it's troublesome yes and we can sort of bring it to light and notice how it makes us feel and talk about it and, and things but it's that that buddha side of things that the the um the oneness or the, the integrated right. aspect of it, and so how did how did that sort of arise? Well, it, it, in what way has that arisen for you?
0: Oh, very much so. Actually, it's in in my in my movement from Tibetan practice to um, pra- uh, practicing in this bright dawn lineage. You know, Shin practice is no practice. Mm. That's what they say no practice like in zen you know they there there's the there's the nembutsu the chanting of um, mm-hmm. namo amida butsu um that that's a that's a considered a practice but not a practice but mm-hmm. there it's been said that nembutsu is zazen it's it it is equal mm-hmm. um but mm-hmm. in in shin buddhism this this, this uh, sense of um, chanting is, I don't chant a lot, but what they emphasize is listening. Right. Okay. And you can listen for your Buddha nature, right? You can listen for, oh, oh, and the listening is deep listening. It's, mm. you know, it's not like listening to the birds, although that's helpful for me, but um, it's, it's deep listening um, to, to the, to the Buddha nature, to the, to the beauty uh, and, and the perfection that resides within me and everybody else. And if, and if I'm listening to that and I'm hearing that, then I'm not so much focused on what a jerk this other person uh, is, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Or oh, also, what a jerk I am. I mean, then yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't mm-hmm. beat myself up for mm-hmm. for that. I just mm-hmm. know that these obscurations oh, <laughs> uh, exist, and um, pretty soon they'll part, and I'll see mm-hmm. my Buddha nature mm-hmm. shine like the sun, right? <laughs>
1: we all hope yeah (laughs) Yeah,
0: well that's yeah yeah we all hope it happens it happens briefly on occasion (laughs) on occasion that's right
1: (laughs) yeah yeah so then I mean what an amazing situation the pandemic has brought to you then this kind of arising of this real feeling of resentment and then and then this real sort of need or or refocusing to look at what it means and where it's come from and, and your, your sort of very recent journey into finding this kind of stuff and, and, um, and, and seeing these new perspectives.
0: Yeah. It's, you know, that's uh, again, you know, it's like you, you say troublesome Buddha and all, all like my other teacher said, you know, bad situations are Buddhist. So this was a Buddha. It's like, you know, um, I don't know what would have happened if the pandemic didn't happen. I think about that a lot. It's like, mm-hmm. would I just continued on and go my merry way yeah. thinking I had all my, you know, what together, you know, yeah. um, yeah, and yeah. until the day I died, I don't know. And, mm-hmm. and, and is that good or is that bad? One thing I know is that every time I've had these kind of troublesome Buddhas in my life, like, um, the awareness of being gay and 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 having chronic illness it's always uh created a more compassionate attitude and made me see people in a different way and mm. uh, and made me try to look at what were the causes and conditions that made you know this happen to this person and that's why they're behaving this way to me and that's why I can't react mm. in a negative way because I can see Now, what's causing that? And so, every time one of these things happen in life, then it it broadens your perspective,
1: right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, looking back at my own life, uh, I I can only be thankful, you know, very, very grateful for these kind of situations. Although they're they can be incredibly difficult and painful, you know. Uh, Right. When they do bring stuff up, and you do manage to look at it, and things shift, it's like wow that that person or that situation its like that was that was really something
0: yeah exactly it's uh, um you know you would never invite it you would never say or, or indeed
1: wish it on anyone <laughs>
0: no, no no come here troublesome buddha i yeah. could use a little shaking up you would never <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you, you would never invite it but then once it's there you know you got to deal with it the best you can mm. and, and and i think about this all the time if i didn't no therapy probably would have gotten me through it but without my buddhist practice i don't know how well i would have made it Mm -hmm. truthfully Mm
1: -hmm. Mm. yeah it seems to me like there's a sort of like contextualizing you know you you do your therapy and it's maybe you go through an acute period where you need to deal with stuff and make some join some dots and things but then Bringing it back into meditation puts it back into the broad picture, like puts it back into our whole view of the universe.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly right. It's it's um it's like therapy does connect the dots. I'm glad you said that. It's like those dots were connected for me, and I never even saw those dots. That's it. You that's know, right. Yeah. I never yeah. even saw them as a, a a connected line. I just thought, you mm. know, I I I never even saw it. And then when it, I saw it, it was like well, no wonder. And Mm -hmm. then then when I brought that aha stuff back into my meditation practice, my meditation practice was able to deepen because I always wondered, you know, I, you know, I'm no neurophysicist or neuroscientist, Mm -hmm. but I always wondered, it's like, if, um, if you didn't have that brought to your consciousness, like the connecting the dots in therapy, um, you you know, and you weren't able to bring it to your meditation, is, is that, is that something that actually can physically deepen your meditation? Because otherwise you're right here in this shallow place. Do you, you, you know, I've thought about that because it seemed to have seemed to have happened to me um, you know, I'm able to get into meditation quicker now than I ever was before. You know, uh, I have less, I'm, I'm not a great meditator by any means. And, and I mean, but I have fewer incidences of, well, that was just a horrible 20 minutes. You know, <laughs> <laughs> where all I was thinking about was breakfast and what I had to do. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so,
1: so it helped. So, I mean, we we're coming to the end of our time, I suppose. But one one last question: I was wondering if, in amongst all of the teachers you've had over the years, whether there've been some particularly troublesome, like you know, teachers are amazing, but they can sometimes really be quite difficult. Troublesome. <laughs> troublesome teachers. I mean, I'm just just as an, like, I'm just interested. Yeah.
0: You know. Well, I actually, I had some. <laughs> yes i've had troublesome teachers <laughs> now you're making me giggle mm. about this okay um, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and i almost don't want to i i may i don't want to use names but sure of um, course yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but,
1: i suppose i'm more interested in not necessarily what happened or what they said or how it was difficult but more about your process
0: ah okay yeah that actually is true one of my first troublesome teachers ended up being a a very public bad guy. <laughs> mm, okay. mm. I was, um, and um I learned learned tremendous amounts from him. Mm. And uh and it was my first deep study of Buddhism. And mm. I and it was so it was so disheartening to me. And then I had then I had counseling or um, sitting sessions with a, a, a couple of Lamas and actually the center director at that, um, at that Drikun Kagyu center in Rochester, New York. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he's the, my center director said something that is everybody knows. And it's just, it's common sense, but he said, it's not the teacher, it's the teachings. Mm-hmm. And from mm-hmm. then on, he established me from focusing so much on the human behavior of teachers mm. teachers are human you know they are human and right. for and i i i always get very disheartened by people who put teachers on a pedestal yeah. a, a, and and are disappointed if they you know like like the book the guru drinks bourbon you know i mean it's like um, i think it's really it's not right understanding the first noble truth it's not right understanding to look at teachers in that way so that really taught me i know
1: that um, my zen teacher would talk about his teacher in japan shinzen shinzen roshi um if if he felt like someone was just starting to lift him up on a pedestal he'd go out of his way to do something like Annoying or difficult to try to sort of smash that, you know, like sit on sit on the teaching stool and do an enormous fart or something like that. Just <laughs> I love of, it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah.
0: That's that's yeah. exactly right. I mean, that is that is exactly right. And and mm. I and that was the that's the best teaching. I I from and you know the Tibetan teachers did that too. I'm not saying yeah. they didn't do yeah. that. Yeah. It's just I didn't have that kind of experience with them. So.
1: Mm, 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 mm. Mm. Oh, wonderful! Um, thank you so much, and 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 thank you for being willing to share your stories, and and um uh, just amazing to hear.
0: Mm. Well, thank you, Mark. I, I I hope this was helpful, and uh, yeah. uh, I love your podcast, and I'll continue to listen, and oh, uh, yeah. and like I I'll share with everybody. Maybe if you don't edit this out, I'm going to invite you on my podcast. So. Great, great, love to. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Let's speak soon then. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's it for this summer special episode. I hope everyone is doing okay in this heat and you're able to remain patient, you know, as the heat and the threat of climate change and all the other scary things happening in the world become troublesome Buddhas that taunt you. My usual reminders are next. Don't forget that you can join me and others in the private donation-supported Everyday Sangha that meets virtually via Zoom every other week on Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time. The Sangha is currently studying the Diamond Sutra. And also, please consider supporting the efforts of this podcast and related groups by becoming a community. Community member for $5 a month. If you do, you will have access to blogs, members only podcasts, an education series, a private Facebook group, and the Introduction to Buddhism class, and the new bonus contemplation podcast, which are um, members only features and can be found on the members only Facebook page. If you don't follow me or Everyday Buddhism on any social media platforms we post in, you can go to the Everyday Buddhism website and join the membership community or the Everyday Sangha by going to www.everyday-buddhism.com and click on the tab that says Join Community or Sangha. I can't stress enough how thankful I am to those of you who donate or join our groups. Since I don't seek podcast sponsors and don't ask for financial commitments through a paid podcast membership, my work and the cost of the infrastructure needed to support what I do is entirely self-funded except for your donations. Thanks, too, to all of you who write in with comments and questions. I do read everything, but, of course, I can't respond to every question or comment. Another way you can help is to rate and review the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. It is important to share the podcast with others, and rating and reviewing does just that. So, if you find this podcast helpful in your life, please take a minute to comment so people will know why you love everyday buddhism well that's it for the announcements and until next time keep finding ways to make yours and everyone's days better